137 in a row? In a row? I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And this is episode 137 of Fried Squirms, where we are going to talk about One Cut of the Dead. But before we get there, Danny, how was your week? Pretty laid back, dude. So, soccer season, high school-wise, is officially over, aside from, like, awards and all that stuff. But started up playing indoor soccer this past Wednesday. A lot of fun. Play with some really cool people. So that's going on. Been catching up on a couple of series. I know we mentioned last week that the premiere of Castle Rock Season 2 happened this past week. Yeah, Really good. I know you and I have talked amongst ourselves about it. Highly recommend it for fans of the first season, just fans of some of the characters from the novels slash movies. If you're familiar with Misery and Salem's Lot, those are the two most being referenced so far this season. I am not deep enough on King to catch other references that I'm sure they've been throwing in. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I do know, though, that the name Ace, this is kind of a little bit of a spoiler, but there's a character named Ace Merrill that is actually Keeper Sutherland's character in Stand By Me. Oh, shit. Okay. So that's really cool. It's a cool reference. That is neat. Okay, cool. Oh, fuck. That's weird. I know, right? Combining some different stories. So there's some scenes in one of the episodes where it totally makes sense that it's kind of, I won't say biting, but it's kind of an homage a little bit to Stand By Me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough either. I'm super enjoying the season so far. I mean, I was telling somebody about it, and I was like, you know, it seems to be going at breakneck speed compared to last season, and is just insane from the get-go. And then I had to sort of think about it and realized, last season was kind of insane from the get-go, considering (laughs) you had a guy that had been locked up for 27 years and hadn't aged a day. Yeah, true story. (laughs) Which is kind of insane when you actually say it out loud. But I do feel like last season's pace was slower and more deliberate i agree than this one and that's not to take away from this one or that one they're just kind of different animals yeah they have a little different tone but it's still really good man it's and really that, good. i mean and i'm okay with it it still feels like stephen king to me so far like i said i'm not the deepest on king but it's not like i'm unfamiliar either so yeah likewise so that's been going on i have caught up so far on american horror story 1984 really good it's enjoyable it's a little campy at times like I said, it plays on some of those 80s horror tropes, too. So mm-hmm. if you're familiar with those films from that time period, you'll feel right at home with that show. So, yeah, outside of that, man, that's been about it. Just kind of chilling. How about yourself? Fuck, not up to much. Mostly just the usual. Reading, playing video games. Been trying to kick my ass into gear <laughs> to get shit done for the other project that I can't announce yet. But it should be getting closer because I have been doing a little bit of work and trying to just get back in the habit of doing shit all the time again yeah that's rather than just like sitting on my ass all the time so no it's been cool though nothing too exciting nothing really worth bringing up but fun times yeah man uh, like i said today's mm. weather's really shitty so I'm glad that we're inside <laughs> that's Dude, for sure. yeah today suddenly turned to shit i mean we had been getting weather forecast that it was going to get cold this weekend and honestly yesterday never got as cold as it was supposed to so that was kind of nice, but then this morning went from a bit chilly to like a bit blizzardy outside. Yeah, and no time sucks. flat. So, yeah. So on that front, yeah, here in Montana, we're getting some shit weather, <laughs> and it's early. But I did run across some really cool bits of horror news yeah, that might keep got? us a little warm. Here yeah, in the hit studio. me, hit me with some news. All right. So for fans and subscribers of Shutter. Well, Shudder is bringing us Joe Bob's Red Christmas on Friday the 13th in December, Woo! which is really cool. So there's a triple feature. Of course, it's uh, Holiday Horrors. It's going to stream live at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. So here in Mountain Time, 7 o'clock. Yeah, it's going to be airing in the United States in Canada. So that'll be fun, man. Have they announced the lineup yet? Let me take a look through. Not yet. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll keep our ears to the ground for that, because that could be pretty fun. I think so. I need to check out one of those, at least. All right, so the next bit of news I have involves a director we haven't talked about formally. We've been mentioning briefly because of actors have been in some of his films, but that director is Lucky McKee. So he has a new film that's coming out. It's called Kindred Spirits, and we've got Thor Birch. She is the lead in this, which is really cool. So she was in Hocus Pocus and Ghost World. It also stars Macon Blair, who was in Green Room, and Caitlin Stacy, who was in Fear Incorporated. 
So it says that Birch placed Chloe, a single mother, in a relationship with Alex, who is Macon Blair. Chloe's life is turned upside down when her sister, Sadie, who is played by Stacy, comes home after a long, unexplained absence. Hmm. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. I do like Lucky McKee. He plays a little bit with a little bit of body horror, a little bit of the macabre. So we'll see what happens there. All right, next bit of news I have involves a vampire film, and that is from director Joe Bagos. He has a new film entitled Bliss, and it is coming to DVD and Blu-ray on November the 12th. Okay. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there with that. This is something you actually mentioned to me throughout the week, and it involves a film that we reviewed. We actually had some of our friends over for a test of fright, and that is Terrifier. So in Terrifier 2, it has been announced that Sleepaway Camp icon Felissa Rose is joining the cast which is really cool and some of the other cast members include Jason Lively who was a part of Night of the Creeps and Tamara Glenn who was in Halloween 5 The Revenge of Michael Myers so for those who are curious the upcoming sequel this is about Art the Clown of course being resurrected by a sinister entity Art returns to Miles County where he must hunt down and destroy a teenage girl and her younger brother on Halloween. And it looks like they're eyeing an October 2020 release. Okay, so like a year off. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I can handle that. I don't yeah. Wanna, I don't want to wait that long, but <laughs> I understand. So. Well, it'd be cool, too, if they get a nice little stateside release. Mm-hmm. All right, so the next bit of news is actually something you and I both talked about again because... Seems like it's happening more recently since we've actually reviewed this film. But the remake of The Craft has announced another big name joining that cast. And for those who are familiar with Michelle Monaghan, she was in the first season of True Detective. She's been on some really good films. But uh, yeah, she has been included. We talked about the fact that David Duchovny also joined and Julian Gray amongst others. So looks like they're churning out a pretty decent cast, if nothing else. And the last little bit in news I have is for fans of It, or for people who haven't seen Chapter 2 yet, it is going to be heading to 4K Ultra High Definition, DVD, and Blu-ray on December the 10th, and you can actually get it digitally on November the 19th, but some of the special features include like commentaries with Machete, they've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five different making of documentaries as well. Wow. Yeah. So some of those include Pennywise Lives Again, This Meeting of the Losers Club Has Officially Begun, Finding the Deadlights, The Summers of It, Chapter 1, The Summers of It, Chapter 2. So, yeah, it looks pretty dope, man. Still, I'm, I'm going to see if they ever release like a double feature of both of those together. Right. I know. That'd be nice, right? Yeah. I might hold out to them, but... If not, for those who are looking for this, December 19th. So, yeah, that pretty much rounds out the bit of news I found interesting. Like I said, some of the stuff we've been up to. And we've got a really cool film today, too. I'm really looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. Yeah, shit, let's just jump into it. Guts and Bolts, one cut of the dead. Guts and Bolts. One cut of the dead. Man, I'm kind of excited for this, and I'm also not quite sure how we're going to talk about this movie yet, especially because I'm having a hard enough time thinking of a spoiler-free synopsis right now as it is. I suppose this is a zombie movie movie where, while making a zombie movie, the crew is set upon by zombies, and then all the troubles that go along with that. I suppose that's the best way to say it, spoiler-free. Yeah, exactly, because... If we say too much, it'll start, yeah, it'll start ruining some of the expectations. <laughs> and it's Japanese. Absolutely. Yeah, and this came out in 2017. And stupid critically acclaimed. Yeah, that was kind of the appeal for us. Yeah, I've been hearing well. nothing but, like, awesome uproar about this movie for, like, a year now. And now that it's on Shudder, we're like, well, let's fucking watch it finally. Yeah. But before we get into how that made us squeal, let's talk, you know, keep in this whole guts and bolts section, and we'll talk about some of the cast and crew, which I'm sure you have some better notes than me. (laughs) No problem. So this week, we'll lead off with our crew like we do in most weeks, and I'm going to talk about our director. He is also the writer. He is also the editor. And this gentleman is Shinichiro Ueda, and he's known for directing such films as Rice and Boobs, (laughs) Aesop's Game, and 
special actors. As a part of the writing credits, he is responsible for the screenplay, and along with the directing credits, he helped write those as well. And one other credit he has is Old Prison for the screenplay. And Ruichi Wada is responsible for the play that this is based off, and it is named Ghost in the Box. Okay. Cool. And our cinematographer this week is the Kashi Sone. He is known for being the cinematographer on such films as Killer Motel, Sojo Sobaki, Bloody Chainsaw Girl, and also a more recent film entitled Mystic Shrine Maiden. The music was composed by Shomo Ito and Kyle Nagai. He's also known for composing music on the film Stolen. And we also have Nobuhiro Suzuki, and they are known for composing the music for such films as Vanquish, Pokemon Duel, which is, of course, the Japanese version, and Astral Chain, the video game. Oh, sweet. Yeah. The special effects, I do have a couple people. Actually, one person, I should say. There's an assistant that this is their only credit. But the special effects molder, they made the molds for some of the cast members, that is Kazuhide Shimohata. And they're known for molding for such films as The Machine Girl, Tokyo Gore Police, Vampire Girl vs. Frankenstein Girl, Mutant Girl Squad, and Meatball Machine Kudoku, which I've seen is fucking gnarly. <laughs> a lot of those films are kind of inspired by uh, some of the shit we've covered, too. Like Tetsuo. Yeah, Tetsuo being a huge <clears throat> one. So our producer on this is Koji Ichihashi. The production companies were Inbu Seminar and Pen Pokopina. Distributors were Inbu Seminar. They helped with the 2017 Japanese theatrical release. And Shudder, of course, they've helped with the 2019 USA streaming service for this film. The release dates I have are November 4th, 2017 in Tokyo. And it had a July 13th, 2018 premiere at the New York Asian Film Festival. Can we get into some of the astounding numbers about this movie? Yeah, that's actually the next little bit of news I have. Okay, so you mentioned the production company is Enbu Seminar. That's because this was actually the final product yeah. of like a directing and acting workshop, the Enbu Seminar. It's really awesome, isn't it? So literally some of the actors were paying to be in this movie. Yeah, yeah, as a part of that course. So you end up with a budget of... All right, so the budget is, in yen, it's 3 million yen in Japan, which equates to about $25,000 U.S. So $25,000 budget. Right. Its gross for Japan was 3.12 billion yen, which if you equate that, it comes out to be $30.5 million worldwide. And I think out of that, like $28 million was in Japan alone. $25,000 budget brings back... 30 million. Yeah, that's crazy. A thousand times its budget. Over a thousand times its budget. Eat that Blumhouse. (laughs) (laughs) No shit. Holy cow. Plus just all the critical acclaim on top of it. Exactly. So, like I said, that being a part of the appeal. So that rounds out our crew. I'll move on to our cast. And I'm going to start off with Takeyuki Hamatsu. He is the director Higarashi. Now, he's been in such series as Suits, which is a 2018 TV miniseries. He was also a part of the Mystic Shrine Maiden film. He was also in Toritsu Mizusho Rewa, which is a 2019 TV miniseries. The next actress I have is Yuzuki Akiyama. She plays the role of Chinatsu, which is interesting because a lot of these characters, they go by dual names, too, if you look up some of the credits. Which makes sense once you've seen the movie. Right, right, right. So... I'll reserve some of those names for later. And she has been a part of Queen, the 2019 TV miniseries. She was also in Cayman Rider Zeal, which is a 2019 TV series. Oh, shit. Really? That's cool. All right. Next actress I have is Horomi Shuhama. She plays the role of Nao. She was in Chronicle of My Mother. She was also in the film Strawberry Song and Black Maidens Chapters A and Chapter Q. And we have actress Mao, plays the role of Mao. (laughs) She has lent her voice in the Xenoblade Chronicles Part 2 video game. Oh, shit. Okay. She was also a part of Cops and Robbers, which is a 2018 television series. And she was more recently in Will This Love is a Checkmate, which is a weird title. (laughs) I don't know if it's translated properly, but 
it is a TV miniseries, like I said, from last year. So, yeah, the next actor I have is Kazuaki Nagala. He plays the role of Ko, or Ken, I believe he goes by early on in the film, oh, too. yeah. He's been in such things as Fukushima Day, Mio on the Shore. All right, next actor I have is Hiroshi Ichihara. He plays the role of Kasahara, which is a glasses guy in this film. Mm. This is actually his only acting credit as of date. The next actor I have is Shuntaro Yamazaki. He plays the role of uh, Yamago, who is like the guy with the headband. Yeah. Yeah, it's yep, really yep. cool. This is actually his only credit as well. Another actor I have is Manabu Hosoi. He plays the role of Manabu. Go figure, right? Mm-hmm. He's also been in such things as Ore no Sarawana, and he was also in The Albino's Tree. Hmm. It's kind of interesting. All right, next actor I have is Nichiro Sawa. He plays like one of the producers. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He is also in uh, Toronoko City, which came out in 2017. The other producer in this film, too, is Yoshiko Takahara. And she's only been in one other thing, and that was Daughter of Lupin TV series that came out recently. I mean, honestly, I don't want to give away too much for the movie. But even with you, uh, you know, talk about all these actors and the fact that most of them have been in pretty much nothing. Yeah, Like, exactly. even those titles that you were naming off, those aren't giant movies. No, I like, most of this is all Japanese derivative. Yeah, it's all, like, indie, like, Japanese indie movies. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, sure. And even with that, and not having to, like, pay a big name, this movie looks more expensive than $25,000. Easy. Easily. Yeah. <laughs> totally agree. You I, could have told me this movie cost $4 million <laughs> to make, and I would have believed you. Yeah, no kidding, considering. That's a good point. I've got four other actresses. This is their only credit to date, but one of those is Miki Yoshida. She plays, like, one of the crew members with the makeup department in the film. There's also Juna Goda. She was like another one of the hands on deck, you know, during the filming. Mm-hmm. There's Sakina Asamora. She plays like the assistant assistant AD, like okay. the second unit. Yeah, yeah, okay. And yeah, that's pretty much our cast, our crew. You gave us a brief synopsis. We should give you some warnings. Not very many, though. Language mostly. Yeah, language. I mean, they use gore, but it's not gratuitous if that makes sense it's not like violent or anything like that oh i'm not sure how realistic it's even supposed to look well, yeah when it comes down yeah. to it either uh, yeah i guess technically there's gore there but it's yeah it's not the gore that you're the way that we're proposing it sounds like i, I suppose it's more on the light-hearted side of gore and blood and all that stuff yeah and there's like some blood but it's yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Truthfully, everything on that side of things is pretty tame. It really it's, is. It's Some of it's there, but even what's there ends up kind of being demystified. Yeah, absolutely. And that's as much as I'm going to say about that. <laughs> yeah, because we are still trying to hold off on some spoilers. But yeah, for the most part, it's it's very tame compared to a lot of things that we typically do. It doesn't detract from the fact that this is a really good film. Yeah, mostly language. Lots, lots of Japanese cussing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Shit, with that, let's get in the spoiler section so that we can actually properly talk about this movie and stop, like, avoiding everything. (laughs) How does that make you squeal? Yeah, here we are, one cut of the dead. So first off, before we get into much else about this movie, I have to say, I am incredibly impressed with everyone who has seen this movie because... Everything I have ever read about this movie literally only talks about the first 35 minutes. Here's the thing. I didn't know a whole hell of a lot about the film. I mean, other than some of the stuff we had mentioned, you know, I guess leading up to the film. I know we mentioned it before on the cast because of some of the news it was getting, some of the press it was getting. But I wasn't expecting the way it played out. This movie's Red Wedding all over again. How the book readers... Shut the fuck up about the Red Wedding in fucking Game of Thrones, Song Ice and Fire, until the TV show happened. We all just sat on the sidelines like, just wait for it. Count, We're counting down. We're getting there. It's close. We, just, we can keep shut up for just a little bit longer. We've kept shut up all this time. People don't talk about the last half of this movie. The fact that this is one of the most meta movies we've ever fucking done. No doubt. And because we're now squealing about this that was something i was talking to jeff last night about because he had asked me what we were reviewing i was mentioning it to him 
And I was like, this movie is super fucking meta. And, you know, he was asking kind of what that term meant. And I explained, you know, I'd use like Cabin in the Woods as a reference and some other films. Just, you know, being like, whether it's being self-aware or just using certain things in the film to poke fun at itself, you know, or just mm-hmm. the layers. It's like a film within a film within a film. <laughs> Before we get too far into this, if you're still listening and you haven't watched it, we have said we're in the spoiler section now, but something else, like if you're listening to try to figure out if this is a movie like that you want to watch, I do want to clarify something that I feel very strongly about this movie. This is not a good movie for a horror fan. This is a good movie for someone who likes movies and how movies are made. I highly agree with yeah, if you're going into this expecting like a real true horror film, you'll be let down. And you're you won't be completely let down because <coughs> you not completely, but because you get you know that I mean? for the first thirty five minutes of this movie, right? And the first thirty five minutes of this movie is a brilliantly it's good. It's brilliantly done one shot. Like I said, one, one cut, cut of the dead, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a brilliantly done one shot, intentionally campy zombie movie. Yeah, precisely. I mean, that one shot is brilliantly done throughout that first 35 minutes. But then this movie changes in a big way. It does. And it's really cool because I was, was not anticipating that at all. But that's what made me like really enjoy it, too. And that's the one other thing, though, that I'm not sure exactly what we're going to say any further into the episode. Because <laughs> I do kind of feel like this movie ends up explaining itself. It really does. Like, you know, all right. So first time through, right, to kind of give you an idea of of the way I experienced it first time through watching it after that 35 minutes. And then it cuts like the one month before I wasn't sure like, Oh, we're going to see, you know, of course, like how the zombies got there. Cause I was still in on, I thought I was still on the fact. But then I realized that it was a cut. Right. Right. right, Because it is one long 35 minute scene. Mm -hmm. Right. And And like that doesn't fit with what this movie's doing. Yeah, exactly. But then when you do discover what this film's about and the reason why you saw the first 35 minutes and then you got a cut and then et cetera, it's like, that's really fucking brilliant. It is a really cool concept. And the, the rest of the payoff was enjoyable. Actually, like, even though it's not necessarily horror per se, it gives you that insider view on the, the process of making a film. Right. And even more brilliant, the fact that it's still not even exactly what happened. Because then you get to the credits and you get a whole nother layer of meta where you get to see the crew actually filming. No shit, dude. It is like, this is fucking awesome. Because you you have to keep in mind that you're watching a film that is about a film creating another film. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. It's super layered. But it's really cool because it's all one process just told in layers. Mm-hmm. Shit, so... How do we want to get through this? Do we want to just give away the spoiler from the get-go, or do we want to... I mean, I mean, we are already like eight minutes into talking about it. It wouldn't yeah. be from the get-go at this point, but... All right, so before we get to the spoiler, I do want to talk about a little bit some of the things... Should we just talk about the... Let's talk about One Cut of the Dead. Yeah, let's do as that. As it is. Right, right, right. Yeah, just the movie within the movie, One Cut of the Dead. <laughs> the TV yeah. show within the movie, One Cut of the Dead. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, the first time through, I was like, all right... What are they trying to do with this? Because it's like, it's a it's an interesting zombie film, you know? It's, it's not... TV show. Yeah, TV show. It's not that good. No, but, but it's, it's interesting still interesting. the interesting thing is the one cut, and you can see it continually go on, and as someone who has watched other things <laughs> that are one, you know, with famous, you know, long takes and shit, I was looking for, like, hidden cuts. <laughs> I know you're saying, yeah. Because that would make sense if that were the case, but... No, it's, it is really interesting because you get certain scenarios, right, that set up things later on. Like, my first impression was with the guy who I mentioned, uh, Shunturu Yamazaki. He's the guy with the wrapper on his head. There's a scene where he's still in it after all this chaos is going on. And he just kind of, he's almost catatonic. And he kind of goes through the door and, you know, the director's screaming at him and shit. Oh, yeah. And then you realize later on why he was acting that stilted or disconnected is because that might be one of my like favorite parts hard water bro <laughs> him and um the other guy uh, manabu he's the drunkard mm-hmm. right you don't know that till later on but you realize his acting as a, that zombie <laughs> is because of other reasons which i think is neat so i'll mention that later on so there's a, f- a few things 
that happen in One Cut of the Dead where it does feel a little disjointed because you don't realize the twist. What's happening. Right. But the, but that that's case, what makes it, it just brilliant. Feels like, in that case, it just feels like it's an intentionally campy, intentionally kind of, yeah, campy, B-grade. poking fun at itself. Yeah. And that's kind of what you think you're getting for the first 35 minutes is just that's something what it feels that's, like. that's just self-aware. Because like you're getting these those little moments. I tried to take my notes as if I had... Because I, I don't take my notes till the second watch through. That's pretty much what I do, yeah. And so I tried to take <laughs> my notes up until the twist, like trying to remember how I felt the first time. And I mean, honestly, like I, I had to make some notes that even though there was weird stiltedness, like the people were still believable in their weird way. There was weird pauses, <laughs> but once things like broke down, especially when they're freaking out, they're all stupid believable while they're freaking out. And then just, I, I like I wrote down is just as far as like a horror comedy goes, the arm hot potato with the zombie was fucking killer. <laughs> I did write that down. That was really notes. good. It's good. A, it's funny. It's a really good comedy horror moment. Yeah. That, I mean, I think other movies have probably done like hot potato type sequences like that, but or like keep so, away. Yeah, not yeah, not necessarily hot potato. Keep away. But that was <laughs> that was a really well done mint one, man. Like that really stood out to me. I agree. And just the fuck he was. <laughs> Are you okay? He just asked. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, man. I don't know. So what? So the zombie attack starts happening. Mm-hmm. It seemed intentionally bad. Like I believed that it was a zombie attack happening. Likewise, even though it was bad. Yeah, exactly. Because it still felt campy, and it almost felt a little too cliche, too. Like they happen to mention it, and then oh, guess what? They just so happen to be outside. And yeah, and then because it was working so well. When it got to, this is, I guess this is a bit further ahead as far as One Cut of the Dead goes, but when it got up to her killing the director, like, I was in. I was like, holy fuck, (laughs) they went there? Like, that's kind of fucked up and dark. Like, he's not a zombie. She just fucking hacked that guy (laughs) fucking bits compared to what they've done any of the zombies, too. Like, two of them got sidekicked to death. You know what I mean? (laughs) Or jump kicked to death. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, the whole lead up to the rooftop, and then yeah, you get the nice crane shot, and then it goes through its credits and shit. At that point, I was like, that's not bad. It's kind of, it reminded me a little bit of like, I don't know, Man on the Moon and stuff, that you have this opening, and in this case it's pretty long, but then it cuts to a credit that you know you still got an hour left in the film. That was the thing. I was like, so I got super fucking stoned before I watched it. I, I pressed some hash this weekend. Yeah, buddy. Uh, and I was <laughs> I was giving one of those hash cakes a bit of a try, and it tried me a bit instead. <laughs> but those credits hit, and I'm like, oh, that was pretty fucking good, but it seemed short. Wasn't this movie like 96 minutes long or something? And I fucking paused it, and I'm like, what the fuck? There's still like an hour left in this bitch? Yeah, exactly. How? How? And so then I, I had to keep playing, and then a cut happened, and I'm like, oh, this movie's famous for being a long cut. It's called One Cut of the Dead, but a cut right. just happened. What the fuck is going on? And then you get the one month later. And I was super confused at first, even with the producers explaining exactly what the fuck was going on. Right, I was trying to make sense of it, too. Yeah, so it does pan to, like, I think it's one month earlier when they're setting up the whole idea. Yeah, I said later. Earlier. That's okay. Yeah. But... They're talking to the director, you know, who was in the film, and we learn, I guess, do you want to give it away at this point, like the twist, what their idea was. They are starting a television network, right, for like zombie. zombie. network. Yeah. Which, that also is like a bit of meta awareness, because we might as well have that going on right now with like how the Walking, I mean, Walking Dead kind of, technically like Mad Men and shit came before Walking Dead for AMC. Right. But they co-financed the shows before Walking Dead that came out. And so they weren't really making that much money on them because they had to share of all the licensings. and Or I don't know if I'm using the right terms, but they had to share everything because they weren't the only ones doing it. Gotcha. Somebody else had their fucking their hand in the, in the pot, too. When it came around to Walking Dead, they're like, we think we know how to run a show now, so this is ours. And then... It's been like 
one of the biggest shows on TV for nine years. So yeah, it has a really good run, that's for sure. But it has brought back this like revival of zombies in general. Right, and then we ended up getting all the different spinoffs. You have Z Nation, and over on Netflix, you got them doing Santa Clarita Diet to cash in on zombies, and uh, fucking I Zombie over on the CW, yeah. like, it's which also the... ties into like cashing in on comic books, which is also hot right now. So yeah, exactly. So it's just... and I know I'm missing things. Those <laughs> are just immediately come to mind. Like, like I said, what it has done is it's, it spawned that interest or that cycle again into zombies you know it's like they've always so this been... is the perfect time for this movie right also. to be self-aware mm-hmm. yeah which is really cool which is the twist right they're starting that television network they want to do a one cut episode or live whatever. thing yeah and it, which like, is really is cool concept like is this them kicking off the network yeah because that's also like super ambitious super ambitious a lot to put on. Did you write down dude's catchphrase? Yeah, he said a that. A lot to put on a guy. He, he tells him, he says, well, what I am known for is being fast, cheap, and average. <laughs> They're like, okay. Which, to be fair, is a good way to sell yourself. Because if you're both fast and cheap and still put out average work, Well, he mentioned good. that. He you did know what like, I mean? He said he did karaoke stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it VTRs? Which, did you look that up, what that meant? No, it's VTR. So it's like um, handheld video to reels. So you're shooting video onto reels. Okay. So, you know, stuff like that. It's like really indie stuff. It's hmm. like, oh, okay. Okay. I was kind of curious what the fuck. Or VRTs, maybe that's what it's called. But regardless, it's like, okay, I'm a nerd enough. I need to find out what the fuck that means. But you're right. Like, he just does average stuff, but it's cheap. It's fast. Hey, yeah. does pretty decent. If cheap and fast and it's still average, then that's a pretty good deal, right? Right. Exactly. So he gets it, right? And then it kind of goes through the process now, or the journey before we get one cut of the dead, mm-hmm. which I thought I was like, oh, that's really cool. Now we gotta get a really cool story on how it became a zombie. So I was still at that point, the first time through, still like, okay, maybe that's like their fate. Like they shot a zombie film, and yeah, I'm still thinking zombies actually showed up. Right, at this that's kind of what I'm <laughs> jogging around, but. Until, I'm still in the idea of that, right? Until they're actually rehearsing. Yes. Then you're like, oh, that's even more cool now. Because <laughs> it's like, that really threw me for a loop. Because it's like, now we're watching a film being made. Like, the process. You know, the cast, readings, all that so, shit. So, there's a couple scenes that I wish were longer in this. Even though, honestly, this second act is the most bogged down section in the entire movie. <laughs> the first act and the last act are fucking gold. If anything's slow, it's this middle part. It really is because there's just a build-up and little comedy bits here and there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of setup, but there's nothing really else to go with. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, And that's unfortunate because I do think there are a couple of really good like character moments that they could have expounded on even more that I think would have made some of the end even more touching and stuff. I know what you're saying, yeah. You only got a really quick flash and I can't read Japanese, and so maybe it would have given it away if I could have just read the sheet that he was holding. But did he have final say on the male lead when he had that sheet full of headshots? Was right. that all different people? I believe so. I think you're right. So he had final say and chose that guy because his daughter was crushing on him? Right, and because okay. the mom was... Mm-hmm. you know. So that's something, too, I found endearing about the film, is that you realize that a group of people coming together to do a project... And it has, like, real moments, and they come to pay off later on in the film, which makes them even more kind of unique to the story. With all the setting up that the second act did, I do wish that it would have set up the mother's quirk (laughs) a little bit more early. That's funny. (laughs) They set up the fact that she used to be an actress in the second act, but they don't set up at all why she wasn't acting until they just suddenly have to blurt it out. Like, yeah, exactly. But that would have been kind of neat to see that, like even maybe in a flashback form, mm-hmm. you know, but something that I really enjoyed, which I thought was comedic wise, it's like, this is some of the best shit is when you do see like the family interacting, it's the mom and a daughter. I think the mom was watching that self-defense technique video. Boom. Right. <laughs> So it's like, that is some of the best shit, because you get to see like this 1980s style, 1990s style defense video. I also noted that Mao, the daughter, mm-hmm. 
She had some of the coolest shirts in the film. Like, all of her t-shirts were dope, is what I put. So I didn't know if you caught any of that. I felt like I noticed something about her, but... One of the moments I really liked, though, while we're talking about Mal real quick, was when she got booted off the set she was working on. And I don't know, whoever was telling her pops. Was it the director or was it the AD? I think it might have been the AD. Yeah, that would make more sense. And it's like, she doesn't fit our team because of how she was treating the little girl, which was fucking hilarious, by the way. I love. She was trying to get that little girl to do real tears and not just eye drops. Mm Mm-hmm. He goes back and smacks one of the fucking other actors right after being like, she doesn't fit our team for like, admittedly it was to a little kid, but like she was just talking at someone and he goes back and fucking whack. (laughs) I'm just like, ah, that's funny. I like that. Okay. Those little interactions are are funny. It adds to the story because that gives the dad, his daughter, way into this film. So Mm -hmm. they get to work together, which is cool. And then, of course, later on, the mom fits in because of circumstances to other people. And that's how it gets the dad involved in acting as the director, even though he is the director. Right. <laughs> being directed. What did you write down about Mao's shirts? I'm okay, curious so, about them, since I didn't. So the first shirt that I noticed was she was wearing a Scarface shirt. Oh, okay, I did notice that. I was like, okay, that's cool. That's dope. Okay. And then the next one she was wearing, she was wearing the uh, Travis Bickle taxi driver shirt. I didn't notice that. I was that. like, oh, that's, that's really cool. cool. And then a little bit later on, she was wearing Jack oh, Torrance shit. in The Shiny. Oh, damn. I was damn. like, oh, damn, that's, that's pretty dope. Cool. So kind of in maybe a coincidental way, it's like these are all anti-heroes <laughs> that oh, she's wearing. Not like it's, I'm, I'm positive it's all like shout-outs too, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, those three alone, I'm like, that's pretty cool references, even through T-shirts. So I didn't note that. But the very next note I had after that, was the fact that we're getting a meta glimpse into the filmmaking process. That was, like said, going into Act 2, essentially. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, like, having that baby on set, I wonder if that's that baby on cultural set thing. That's what um, I'm kind of getting at. I don't know if it was meant culturally to be funny. Yeah, I don't know if it was culturally to be funny. I don't know if it was just... Just, like, to, having a... To amplify... The chaos, maybe? The chaos of that moment, since we can't actually spend, like, the entire month with them doing it. I think that's a good way, too, is, like, that was kind of a setup, because it is a little chaotic, Mm -hmm. and they're working through the chaos, so to speak. And then, I mean, if you just imagine that it was like that all the time, then you completely understand when the director has to jump in at the beginning, (laughs) and he finally (laughs) unloads on those two. That is so good. And so, yeah, so then the third (laughs) act is fucking amazing. I love that. Because you get to watch the fake behind the scenes of how the first act got made, integrating in all these character stories that began in the second act, (laughs) which is one of the weirdest and coolest ways to loop around a movie. Yeah, I think so. Oh, and just watching it all. Even though it didn't actually happen that way, because then, like I said, you see the credits after the movie. Yeah. It's so insane how they remake the movie <laughs> it, behind it is the amazing scenes of the movie. When you think about it, it's pretty clever. And to think, and this is why I think it makes the movie even better, is the fact that each one of these people who are in the film themselves that are in one cut of the dead... They're having to do, like, two different roles at the same time, right? They're mm-hmm. being filmed, making a film. and the, I mean, because it is a film. Right. And I'm like, that so is, playing an that's actor like some Inception shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, that is, if that's not meta, I don't know what the fuck is. And then, yeah, at the very end credits, we are seeing them filming the actual film itself. It's like, that is pretty dope, man. Because you actually see, like, the guy... I think who's the mold maker, like working on some of the cast members. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but there's actors who are pretending to be the same character. <laughs> you know, so that's what I'm getting at. It's like, that's pretty fucking awesome. But I do like the whole making of, like, we get to see them. That's oh, why I say some of the, the scenes that so play out later. Funny. They're so fucking, there's they so have much those, crazy shit. I, I did feel like the setups to those the payoffs, yeah, the diarrhea, I was like, oh my God, that makes so much more sense. Why he was the way he was stilted. <laughs> However, the way it played out still fit into zombie movie trope yes. with the dude freaking out and running off and getting et. Exactly, and you hear the scream right during one cut of the dead at the beginning, 
And you just assume that a zombie got him as soon as he ran out. But it was actually cast members grabbing him because he had his shit. <laughs> and he shit on himself because they wouldn't let him go. <laughs> oh. And then fucking chick getting puked on. Yeah. Makes more sense because it was Even the guy getting thrown up, up on. Oh, yeah. yeah, but she does too during the rehearsals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like she's into it. She got to do it. <laughs> Because you find out that old homeboy's a drunk. <laughs> yeah. Got oh, into the sake. Got, yeah. Drained the entire fucking celebration. Like, oh. What an asshole. I know, right? But I feel like his character might be one of the funniest ones. Like, to me, because all those things that happen, like him falling into the door mm-hmm. and them having to improvise. Like, oh, that was the win. What strange timing. Because she's telling them the story about zombies. Right. That was awesome. It's like, that is fucking funny when you f- realize why they did that. Which, once again, isn't why they did that. No, no, no. And that's like, oh, man, that's so funny. It's so good. Yeah, the poem. Like, you learn, like, behind the scenes. When you're hearing it, you get to see it. And it makes it so much funnier. Oh, I was like, oh. And even her jump kicks and shit, she's, like, snapped. Mm-hmm. She's had enough. <laughs> like, wow, that is that makes so much more sense. Even shit I didn't notice. Like, the cheesy zoom in and out. Yeah, I didn't catch that. The, yeah, I think the, the second time through, changes. Yeah, with the girl mm-hmm. because she's wanted to use certain shots and stuff, and she gets her chance because dude's back gets thrown out. I, I like his reaction to when it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which makes sense because you get to see the camera when Chinatsu and Kasahara, the guy with the one arm, gets mm-hmm. hot potatoed. Yeah, they have their encounter, their struggle. And then you see it pick back up. That's when the girl picks it back up later on and does her zoom-ins. So that's really clever, man. So stuff like that. I really enjoyed that. I kind of wonder if they did this on purpose as sort of a little bit of meta-commentary. I wonder if not. But Ko, what's his name? Yeah, that Is Ken that guy or whatever. Yeah. When they substitute in his fake head and body, did you notice his fake head looked caucasian yeah i did <laughs> you're right because it's like that looks nothing like him <laughs> but there's but some funny stuff that's enough behind the scenes stuff from movies this bad from like when we were growing up to yeah. know how often do those fake heads look pretty asian <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah that's true i'm wondering if they, they're like all right here we I see, you ho- I see you, Hollywood. Look what we're going to do. <laughs> That's funny, dude. There's little moments like the head falling because the person dropped it and the chick saving it and tossing it back. <laughs> Stuff like that. I was like, this movie is fucking clever, man. And it's funny. It's funny for funny's sake. So very first time through, I was kind of confused at the very end because I kind of assumed it wasn't just the crane that got knocked over but that somebody went with it and there was somebody lying dead there and they were just sort of trying to keep it mum until the very end. Like, oh, no. I was like, that's pretty fucking dark. That but then dark. second time through, I was like, oh, no, it was just the crane. Okay, yeah. got you. Which makes that last shot, I think, even more endearing because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, everybody's kind of pulling their weight together to get that shot off, but it also has another poignant moment at the end. I was about to say, it doubles up with the... If yeah, you were the paying dad attention, and daughter. If you were paying attention to when he was crying his eyes out looking at the pictures of the daughter, you already noticed it. Which is cool because it's like the reverse of the drunken guy, right? Who keeps a picture of his daughter. Yeah, he But he's he always fucking up. To do it. Right, and this mm-hmm. guy is average, and this, I think, tilts him on the little bit above average. He's mm-hmm. like, he's a really good guy. He got to work with his family and did a really cool project. <laughs> and then they show you everybody so happy that they achieved it afterwards. Yeah, that's, that's really like, cool too. that kind of makes sense. All right. And I think you and I can relate because we do those Jafar videos, but it's been a while since we've done them. But regardless. Yeah, Patrick. <laughs> are you fucking listening, Patrick? <laughs> but that's what makes when you are involved, regardless of like how big or little the scale is, you still get a, an idea of the process you know, of having to put together a project and then seeing the final project. And it makes me appreciate things like this. It's like you kind of get a real glimpse into the filmmaking process. I'm going to start bugging Patrick about doing a 30-minute one-shot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, 
for me overall, like I said, that's what lends that a tan. That looks like a shit ton of fun. I'm not going to lie. That would be really interesting because, yeah, we do a lot of cuts. We do it. Yeah, we do a lot of cuts. <laughs> well, that's partially just because of Patrick's style, too. If we didn't right. do a lot of cuts, he wouldn't be able to do the things no, he does. So. I, I agree because it, it fits perfect for what we do. Anyway, but that's going it, it would still be pretty cool, though. But. I still want him to do a 30-minute one, <laughs> one shot. Yeah, but I think for people who haven't, like, had the sensation of watching a movie and that's all you see, like, you think everything on screen is real <laughs> for whatever reasons. But then when you do get the glimpse behind the camera, it's like, oh, that's what I enjoy is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's helped me kind of explain certain films to my nephews who, you know, you don't want to break them too early to demystify things, but it also makes it easier to swallow certain films without them right. being, like, terrified. You know, and I think that's the cool thing is because it's overall, regardless of how old, you know, there is a line where you cross into vileness and profanity and stuff, but when you get to see the glimpse of the filmmaking process, no matter how gory things may get, you understand that it's just makeup and effects, and, and then knowing the craft and the payoff, you're like, holy shit, they did a fucking awesome job. <laughs> That's kind of what I like about the process, and that's mm-hmm. what this film does. It gives me a better glimpse into it. Now, I will say, my first time through this movie, I was not as happy about it. Yeah, kind of like, what was the big deal about it? It was a little bit more like, what was the big deal about it? And I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like I'd been misled by like every review of I, it I had ever seen. <laughs> I felt the same way. To be, if we're going to be honest about it, I did feel that way at a certain point. I'm like what's the big deal about this film right now? And then, you know... Second time through just completely changed me. Like, Because fuck. I could see... Because now I've been through those last two acts. Yeah. And I get to see it all again. I don't know how to explain it, but just the way I could then just comprehend it wrapping back around and uh, catch just a lot more of the humor because I know what's going on so I can pay more attention to some of the right. shit that's going on. I don't know. I Maybe I was just too focused on the little details the first time through. But the movie sort of sucked me in. And I think that, once again, it's just kind of... It was the hash. It wasn't just the hash. <laughs> I, I think it was kind of the, the movie's meta-ness yeah. sucked me into being like, are they really doing this all in, like, one cut? The name is One Cut of the Dead. I was looking to see if it was one <laughs> true cut, like, or if there was anywhere where I'm like, ooh, they might have they might have hit a cut. Like, yeah, right when there. they went over this, you know, transition. or Yeah, but... Uh... I think that's what makes that second time. And then if you watch it a third time, I'm sure there's you know things, you, if we watch it again sometime down the road, that we'll pick up on again. We're like, So that's what I really enjoy. They have some really cool payoffs. I will say, though, I probably won't recommend this to many horror people right off my head. I'll right. just recommend it to people who I know like. say, like, enjoy film. Yeah, enjoy film, enjoy knowing about film. The kind of people kind of like us that like looking behind the scenes when they can. Because, I mean, in the end, it, the whole point of this movie is not a horror movie at all. No, exactly. It's, I think in a, a unique way, it shows what can happen when you get a group of people with a certain vision and dedication. Like I said, with, amongst maybe outside noises, etc. And it just shows, like, they had a cool project they did together. I mean, not all of it's realistic, of course, but it it gives you a small glimpse into that world is what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for people who might even be interested or, like, have doubts about filmmaking or, like, I don't know, I just can't do it. It's like, think, like you said, a $25,000 budget, a huge payoff. I'm not saying every film is going to have that, but if you have that ambition, this could be, like, a form of inspiration, too, if you think about it. That's what I was about to say. I think it'd be really easy to be able to take this movie as like a big boost of inspiration to do whatever project you might want to be able to do. So. Yeah, it's like it's it's a good motivational film, so to speak. And I mean, the first thirty-five minutes is a pretty good self-aware zombie film. Yeah, I agree. So, kudos because there was one credit I was kind of leaving off. Okay, they're doing like a one cut of the dead spin-off, I believe, television series. I believe a lot of these actors are returning as their roles. So maybe even down, I don't know, I probably have to find it on the webs, but it'd be kind of interesting to see if they get even a little bit deeper with some of the characters like you were saying. Like there's some certain things that could tie together, I don't know, maybe like bigger payoffs in the end. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see shitty alcoholic dad make a turnaround in his life. That'd be cool. He's a good guy. Yeah. I mean, he's just a drunk. Yeah. But the shit was funny, like, because he spews on dude, and you understand why he does it. It's not because he's a zombie, it's because he's fucking drunk. <laughs> yeah, shit like that. I don't know what else off the top of my head. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing more. I just don't know what else I want to see off the top of my head. I want them to surprise me like they did with this film, basically. Yeah, so it was cool. It was on Shudder. Good way to check it out for those who do. If not, Shudder has some great shit. Highly recommend it. It's worth the subscription if you ask me. Amazing movie. All right, horror movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not, it's not horror film. <laughs> it just so happens to be a glimpse into... It just happens to have a horror film with it. It happens to have a horror TV show within it. It's yeah. a, it is a t- it's a TV show, not art. You're right, right. <laughs> First, it's a TV series. That's so funny, man. But I really enjoyed it, man. That second time through, like, made me appreciate it even more. I guess I now I get it. Like, why everybody was red wedding about this shit and kept it on the DL. I might have finished that first time feeling like I was ripped off. But I'm someone who normally likes spoilers. There's very few properties where I'll try to hold out and be like, I want to have the experience along with it. Yeah. And this is one I'm glad I had the experience of just being like, what the fuck is going on? All right. One last idea for me is, I think you kind of hinted at it too, is the second act. I think that's where that sense of like, what the fuck is the appeal of this film right now? Because it felt like it's still kind of like... Now it's like a drama. <laughs> yeah. You know? But it's like, oh, no. Not really focusing on it, drama. Yeah. And it's like, this is, I, what? <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. That third act is like, that just switches that really quick. And, yeah, the first and third acts are really cool. But the second act, you got to give it credit because it does it sets set up, you up. <laughs> it sets up all the third act. Yeah, which is good. And that's like, it's like okay, I completely understand now. <laughs> Shit, I think that's it for me. Yeah, highly recommend it. Like you said, for film lovers, I want to say horror fans would enjoy it. I'm not saying not. You can't say all, of course, but a certain niche of people are not going to enjoy this film because mm-hmm. it's not a horror film. It, yeah, exactly. It's at the end of the day, it's not a horror movie. No, uh, we haven't decided on next week, have we? Not yet. Not yet. Well, fucking just hit subscribe, <laughs> and you can be surprised when it comes out. Yeah. Or maybe you can follow us over on the social medias. You can enter Fried Squirm into any of them and find us, and maybe we'll give you hints of some form. You can also check out www.friedsquirms.com with alternate ways of listening to us up at the top, the latest episode streaming down at the bottom, <laughs> our archives in between, and a way to contact us. If you don't want to use the website to contact us, even though it's super easy, you can always email us squirmcast at gmail.com. Yeah, like I said, once again, we like to hear from our listeners. We like to hear from people who have recommendations, suggestions. If there's films out there that need some eyeballs on them. Let us put our eyeballs all over them. Our dirty, dirty Filthy eyeballs. eyeballs. All over your films. Just dragging our balls across them. Our eyeballs. (laughs) Shit, for this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Out. Out.